0: Today I want to tell you about how I wrecked my church. This is a painful story for me, but I want to tell you because maybe I can help change the course of your life. Hey friends, I'm Mark Ellen Chelsky and this is The Apprenticeship Way, a podcast about learning how to live life with Jesus. This is episode 16, The Inner Work Imperative. I wrecked my church. It wasn't on purpose. I didn't commit some grave sin or crime. In fact, I thought I was doing the right thing the whole time. I thought I was leading well. I thought I was following God's plan for my life and for our church. And if you had looked at my leadership and our ministry plans, you'd have seen something that looked an awful lot like any number of growing churches across America at the time. We had vibrant, creative worship with a great band and regular, creative, engaging worship elements in the service. We had a fun, engaging children's ministry. We had home groups that at their very height included close to 80% of our active membership. So how did I wreck the church? It happened so subtly, I didn't really even notice. I didn't know there was something I needed to attend to. But there were clues that I missed like that time a friend and ministry leader asked to meet with me. She was a longtime member. She'd led in a variety of ways. She was someone I respected. I knew that our church was better because of her participation and her contribution. So when we sat down and she spoke, it would have hurt less if she had just punched me in the gut. She told me that she and her family were considering leaving the church. She told me that she loved me, that she loved the church, but that she saw me as the bottleneck to ministry. She wasn't sure I was capable of letting people grow in ministry. She wasn't sure if she could keep working with me. She didn't say this, but it was clearly implied. She wasn't sure she could keep growing spiritually, as long as she was serving under my leadership. I did my best to listen, well, I did my best to not visibly react, you know, to keep my feelings in check, but I was in turmoil, inundated with powerful emotions that I didn't, I didn't understand. In my immaturity, the only name I could give to all this emotional energy welling up in me was anger. But then I was conflicted. I loved this person. I knew that she loved me and the church. How could I be angry at her? How could I be angry at her for wanting to grow? At that point in my journey, I couldn't face everything this conversation was opening up for me. There was more pain I had to go through before I was capable of really hearing or being ready to change. That moment is one I've gone back to many times over the years. It was a painful gift that God and this person gave me, a moment of truth to help me see through my denial, and it wasn't the only clue. So... What was I doing that was so destructive? I mean, I would never, never have told this person or anyone anything that I thought would undermine their growth or discourage them, not intentionally. I thought I was mentoring and empowering. I thought I was teaching so that people could grow. What was I doing wrong? Well, it took a long time, years really, to understand what had happened. You see, one of the most important things you need to understand about your life is that you are made in God's image. This is always true. Being broken doesn't change it. Sin doesn't change it. Taking the wrong path in life doesn't change it. You and I are made in God's image. Now that means a lot of things, but in my situation, maybe yours, there's one crucial implication. In fact, I wonder if this isn't the most important aspect of being made in God's image. If we are made in God's image, that means we are makers. God made us. We are makers. If God made us in God's image, then the things we make, we will inevitably make in our own image. Did you catch that? The things we make, we make in our own image. It's not a choice. It's how creativity works. Everything we make in some way reflects who we are. Now, at that point, when I was sitting down with that leader, I'd spent more than a decade working along with lots of other people to build this church. This particular congregation was one of the things I was invested in making, and I never realized how deeply it was being formed in my image. How so? Well, a lot of ways. But here's a few ways that I'll share with you that I can see now with the benefit of hindsight and wisdom and maturity and healing. I was a perfectionist. For my own stable sense of identity, I needed to perform well. Well completely unintended, I had inculcated a spirit of perfection into the church. I telegraphed that performance was the most important thing. I was also driven. I found security in being able to provide value to other people around me. If I was a blessing to you, then you would include me. My belonging would be secure. But this also meant that I could never stop performing, because then I would risk losing my seat at the table, and so, in subtle ways, I infected the church with my unhealthy drive. I didn't realize it then, but my need to perform caused me to be painfully focused on my appearance to others. And this spirit also shaped the choices we made in ministry. Now see, none of this was conscious. It it wasn't what I thought I was building. So when these aspects of my character bore fruit in the congregation, I didn't understand what was happening. Why were ministry leaders burning out so often? Why were worship team members not as excited as I was about perfecting every element of the worship service? Why were so many of the members relating to the church as a product to come consume rather than a community to invest in and collaborate with? One of the most painful moments in my life was realizing, after taking a sabbatical, that the leadership team, the people I worked most closely with, were actually happier and more effective when I wasn't in the office. I was trying to do all the right things. I was praying. I was studying scripture. I was doing my daily devotionals. I was reading the right books. I was using all the best practices. I was doing all of the things I thought a good pastor was supposed to do. But see, I didn't understand this unavoidable truth. When we make things, we always make them in our own image. Even when we use the right tools and have the best intentions. If we're carrying untended trauma, for example, like I was, that trauma will shape everything we make. If we're living unconsciously, like I was, our unconscious drives will shape our priorities and those priorities will filter into what we make. If we're emotionally immature or disconnected from our inner world, whatever we make will be shaped by those same qualities. See, in spite of my very best conscious intentions, my inner life was shaping my ministry. It was coloring my relationships and my leadership style, the way that I planned the event calendar and my priorities. It influenced what felt successful to me. And all of that means that my inner life, with its immaturity and brokenness, was subtly influencing the character of the church that I loved so much. This is how life works. No matter how well-intentioned we are or how well-trained, no matter how spirit-filled or called or anointed, it's true for me, it's true for you. Because you are created in God's image. You will create in your image. It's the only way you can do it. I call this principle the inner work imperative. Whatever you're working on, building your family or your relationships or a company or your church or your ministry or your art, whatever you're making will be made in your image in ways that you simply can't control. You likely won't even realize it's happening. Now all that means that the most important thing is to learn how to nurture your inner life. Whatever investment you make in building a healthy inner life will shape literally every aspect of your outer life. I call this an imperative because your inner life will shape what you make regardless of your intentions. It's also an imperative because the most effective way to impact what you're making is to invest in a healthy inner life. Now this raises two questions that might be coming to mind. First, what do I mean by inner life? I mean who you are in your deepest places. The authentic you, deep within, that contains your story, your sense of identity, your connection to God, and is expressed in your deepest thoughts, your emotional responses, and your intuition, this is the wellspring. Everything else in your life flows from this. Now, the second question, of course, is: Okay, fine. Then, if that's true, how do we invest in our inner life? How do we take care of it? That question is why this podcast exists. It's the focus of my work, my writing, my blog, my books. So don't worry. We will be talking about all kinds of ways you can nurture a healthy inner life. And for today. I just want to get this concept stuck in your thinking. You are made in the image of God. One thing that means is that you will always create in your own image. If that's true, then nurturing a healthy inner life is the foundation for everything else. That's the inner work imperative. Pursuing a healthy inner life means things like finding your own personal, authentic connection to the divine. It means learning how to listen to the indwelling spirit of Jesus. It means learning how to tell the difference between your own emotions and the Spirit's leading. That's emotional discipleship. It means things like naming, facing, and understanding the impact of unresolved trauma in your life. It means uncovering your hidden drives, like, for example, figuring out why you struggle with boundaries so much. It means learning how to become comfortable with silence, because silence is the seedbed of spiritual growth. The work you do here is foundational to everything else in your life. Now, it's possible that I have not convinced you of the importance and urgency of investing in your inner life. Maybe you're just going to choose to go on living the way you've been living, because it's mostly working, right? Well, that's fine. That's the choice I made for years. But here's the other side of the inner work imperative, the dark side, if you will. You see, the state of your inner life will show. That's what was happening to me in my ministry. Your inner life will express itself in everything you do. It will, there's no option, there's no way around it. It is literally how you were made. That is how I did so much damage to my church. It's how I deeply wounded my wife and my marriage. It's how I ended up in an emotional catastrophe that required years of work to untangle. And it's how you can end up in exactly the same kind of place. Your inner life is the wellspring for everything else. So either you will do the hidden work of tending to your inner life, or you won't. And that is an ongoing decision that we each make daily. It's the single most important decision that will shape your life, your relationships, your work, more than anything else. The good news is that we can do it. God is waiting to meet us there. We can heal and grow. The church that I serve has been healing and moving into a new season for a while now. My marriage has been recovering. The damage that we do can be restored if we're willing to face it, if we're willing to humble ourselves, if we're willing to meet God in this place and do the inner work. It is my prayer that you can grow without having to go through the costly, painful struggle I went through. May you experience the life-giving motivation and courage to attend to your inner life. And when you do, may you find the Spirit waiting to meet you there. Thanks for listening. Hey, before you go, let me remind you of something. I wrote this book called The Wisdom of Your Heart, discovering the God-given purpose and power of your emotions. The book came out about 18 months ago and it includes more of my personal story as well as everything you need to start down the path of emotional discipleship. This is the kind of material that's one of the ways you can invest in your inner life especially if you've struggled with your experience of emotions. Now, I'm incredibly excited because after a long, arduous process, the audiobook for The Wisdom of Your Heart is finally coming out. It's going to be on Audible, Amazon, and iTunes, and you will be able to get it next week. If you don't want to miss out on that, please subscribe to my email list. I'll never spam you, I won't sell your data to anybody, I generally email about twice a month with a new blog post, podcast episodes, and links to other things that I think might be of benefit to your spiritual journey. And that email list, that is where I will be announcing when the audiobook is available, plus, when you sign up right now for free, you get a great six-week e-course called Journaling for Spiritual Growth. Journaling has been life-changing for me. I wanna to explain to you how you can use it in a simple fashion. There's a link in the notes on how to subscribe. Head on over. And if you feel like I made a good case for the vital importance of our inner life, maybe you'd like to bring this message to your community. It will make a huge difference there. I'm scheduling speaking engagements through 2019. I'd be thrilled to come speak at your church retreat, your school, your nonprofit. If you'd like to check my availability and talk about topics, there's a link in the show notes that can get that conversation started. There's another way to connect. If you'd like to talk about this episode with me or the whole concept of inner life growth, or if you want to find encouragement from other people on the same kind of journey, consider joining the Apprenticeship Lab member community. Just eight bucks a month, and there you'll find a positive, private, online community of people on the same journey. No drive-bys, nobody getting in your business, just people encouraging each other. I'm there, we can talk, I can coach you, plus you'll get a bunch of other stuff, including access to some online courses for spiritual growth that I've created. And you know, if you just want to support what I'm doing, which allows me to make more material like this, then joining the Apprenticeship Lab member community is a great way to do just that. You'll find the show notes for today's episode, including all the links I just mentioned, at wwwmarkallenshelskycom forward slash TAW016. Until next time, remember, in this one present moment, you are loved, you are known, and you are not alone.